Okay, brethren, at this time we will have our sermon by our co-pastor, Mr. Steve Andrews, entitled, Christ, Our Passover is Sacrificed for Us. Steve? How about that's a little better? Yes. Okay. Well, greetings on the Sabbath before Passover. And for me, this is very unusual. In all my years that I've been in the church, this would be the first year that I've ever had to keep Passover at home. I know um, many have done that, and maybe some of you that have... um, Tuning in today may have already done that in, in the past. So I understand that that might not be something unusual. I'm just uh, saying from my own perspective, and I think even from my wife's perspective, and maybe even from Barnabas and, and Curtis's, that this is something that we have had um, year after year after year, in which we have all gathered together and been able to keep the Passover. So this being a little bit different this year, and I, I know that God is still with us and I know that, that Christ's sacrifice um, is still uh, what we are worshiping for and what we are doing and why we are uh, why we gather and why why the uh, Passover uh, is kept and so let's I, I wanted to start out with three scriptures I'd like to start out with three scriptures before I get into the um, meat of this uh, message today and I'm going to start in Romans, the, the third chapter. All of these will be very familiar chapters, and I, and, but I want, to, I want to encourage each and every one of us as we begin to prepare our hearts and minds for the Passover service that our Savior, Jesus Christ, sits at the right hand of the Father and is there for us. And even though the days and times may be seemingly bleak, He's always there. He's always available. And we always can go to him at any time. And he's also the one through which our blood, his blood is shed and our sins are forgiven. So let's go and let's look at some of these scriptures here. In, in verse 23 of Romans, the third chapter. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believes in Jesus. In Ephesians, the first chapter, and beginning in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, which is us, those who have, of us who believe in Jesus Christ and what God and Christ are doing. We are the saints, which are Ephesus and, and around the world today. This letter was written by Paul to those in Ephesus, but we accept this uh, today as part of our, uh, our belief, our faith. And to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood. I want everyone to understand that. We have redemption. Our sins are forgiven. And all of the things that we're going to talk about today is through 
the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He has purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in Him. And so, as we participate in the Passover, remember these scriptures because God, we are His children and He is gathering us together. And whether we live or whether we die, we are, we are Christ. And we are uh, loved by Him and desired to be in His kingdom by Him. So one more scripture here before we get into the thoughts about the Passover. And I think I'm going to have to open this thing up because for some reason I have also started getting a scratchy throat. In 1 Peter, we just heard a little bit about Peter. Peter's what? Message. Profound. Let's... Uh, um, 1 Peter, the first chapter, and, and I'm going to read just from 16 uh, through 18, or, or to 21. Because it is written, Be you holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of you, your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But um, actually, that's probably a conversation, vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for, uh, for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. It struck me that maybe for this Passover, it would be good to go back to the first Passover and look a little bit at that first Passover and think about those people who had to stay in their homes who had to do certain things to be saved. To, to have salvation, and if they didn't do those certain things, some of their, them or their children would have been lost. So let's go to Exodus, the 12th chapter, and let's read a few verses here, and let's see if we can see some of the things um, that was actually um, a prelude to the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. In my, in my Bible, all this is read. So God is talking to Moses and he says, Speak you to all the children of the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make um, your count of the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. So, a lamb. Our Savior is called the Lamb of God. And so we even see back then how this uh, was representing, representative of the, the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice of our, our Savior. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, on the upper post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat of the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, its head and its legs with the pertinence thereof. 
And so it was totally to be totally consumed. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That which remains until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. And so, he says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So let's go now, as we've seen this first Passover, and how they were, and they were, they were, they were in, in, in trepidation, and they were ready, they were ready to leave, but there, if they didn't have that blood on the, the lintel and the side post of their, of their doorways, they would have also have lost, as God would have uh, not seen that blood, and he would have taken vengeance on those in there. And so they were very faithful in putting that blood there, just as we believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, because we will be reading this on the Passover and, and, and many other scriptures that I probably will just touch on today, because we will be going through these and, and on the Passover night, um, you will be going through them also. So I wanted to come here to this, this part. And of course, Barnabas on the first day of unleavened bread, he will probably read through these again and, and, and have a, a, a deeper meaning of the days of unleavened bread. But Paul says here, your glorying is not, great, is not good. He says, know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The point of the scriptures here, and, and I, think, uh, I think you can see um, this contrast between that first Passover and what, what uh, God did for this Passover. In that first Passover, the individuals chose the lamb. Now, it had to be a lamb that was, was perfect, without, without any blemishes. And it had to be of the first year, so it was a young lamb. And so, it, uh, and it had to be of the sheep or the goats. And they chose it, and they sacrificed it. But in this, God the Father chose the lamb. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Because God the Father allowed Christ to be sacrificed for us. It is his blood that was shed, his body that was bruised. Our Savior is Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleaven of sincerity and truth. So it is to be a change in our life, a change. Because all of us that come to Christ are commanded to repent. We're commanded to change our life. We're commanded to, to do, um, to have our life different from that day forth, especially after we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Now, there's a few scriptures here that I'd like to cover to help us during this time of trouble. Because Jesus is more than, than just the blood that's sacrificed. He has, there's other things that Jesus it, it is a part of it. Let's turn here to Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and let's look. Because in times like these, as, as Barnabas brought out uh, last week on the, um, on the Sabbath, we also need an, an anchor. So 17 through 20 of, of chapter 6 of Hebrews, wherein God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of our soul, 
We have an anchor of our soul, brethren. In, a, in times like these, we need an anchor. We need something solid. We need to be able to, to hold on. And God, the Father, and Jesus Christ are those that is that anchor. Both sure and steadfast, which enters into the inside of the veil, where the forerunner is for us, entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The plan goes on. The sacrifice was done. The Christ life that was sacrificed. But the plan continues on with Christ now as the high priest, as an anchor for our souls. He is also, in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, as we look here. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold or silver or precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And he says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God is dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? All of the things that, that we read in the scriptures, how we are such a part of, of what God is doing, and even to the point that we are the living temple that God dwells in. How, how profound. And especially as we dwell on these things, as we come to the, to the Passover. So why Passover? Well, it's because Jesus told us, without the Passover, we have no hope. And so let's look at John, which we will read on the Passover tonight also, but I think it's also important today to be reminded, before we come to the Passover, why we need that, and why it is so important to take the Passover. I'm going to begin in, in verse 47 of chapter 6 of John. Um, for those of you who have been in the church for a, for a while, the, the, this chapter is probably ingrained in your hearts and in your minds, the, 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 the sixth chapter of John. He says in verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me has everlasting life. One of the things that the Passover um, is so important for is to understand that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and believing on Christ gives us the hope of eternal life. It is a true hope. It is a realistic hope. It is the truth. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. Now, we're coming into the days of unleavened bread. And Jesus Christ truly was the, un, the unleavened bread. I am that bread of life, he says. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, 
which will I give for the life of the world? From this point, Jesus knew he was going to have to sacrifice his very life. And even some of the scriptures that we'll read on Passover, and, 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 you, and everyone knows in, in, in um, Proverbs, I mean in Psalms 22 and Isaiah 53, we understand that the torture that he received was so great, and the blood that he lost, and the life that was ebbed out of him was so, so great. Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. Well, from that point, a lot of people decided not to follow Jesus. They were very offended at this because they understood what the Scripture said. But Jesus was pointing to something so profound in which we have kept year by year. And that prof profound thing is the Passover service in which these emblems come out in that Passover service. And we begin to understand what he meant. Because year by year, we observe his death. One year, every year, just one time a year. In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, we find that. And we will go through this again, and we will talk about this on, on, on Passover. But I wanted to bring it out today so that it would be fresh in our minds. So the thoughts would be there, so the... The, 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 the understanding would be there so that, if, um, so that when we come to Passover, we'll understand the importance of it. Because Paul was writing this to a somewhat unconverted group of people. And yet, the 1 Corinthians was, the message from Paul to these Corinthians was so profound. Every, it seemed like every chapter had so much uh, spiritual meat in them. And in this particular instance, it seems like the brethren in the Corinthian church were doing something that Paul wasn't very, um, very happy with. They were coming together and eating and drinking and being revelous and, and doing things that they, they, they shouldn't be doing on the Passover. And so for all the time after that, this has been written for our admonition to help us to understand how to keep the Passover, how to, to do it properly, how to come together and keep the Passover. For those, maybe this might be the first Passover, if you're watching this and you, and you haven't been in part of our congregation, uh, these words right here will be, will be helpful in understanding how to come to the Passover, how to approach the Passover, and the, uh, and the feelings that you should have when you come to the Passover. And the, and the depths of the Spirit that should be moving in you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and, and the Passover that you will partic participate in. This is what we call Christ's Passover, the Christian Passover. This is not the cedar. This is different. This is how we worship Christ and how we worship God on the beginning uh, of the Passover. And here's... Here's what it says. He says, when you come together, there, uh, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So this is not a supper. For in eating, everyone takes, uh, before, uh, other, uh, um, takes before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What have you not houses to eat or drink in or despise you, the church of God? And shame me them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, 
He broke it. Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament or covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. <clears throat> as often as this is done, it's once a year. Because it is a memorial service. And I apologize. I don't know why I've gotten <clears throat> all of a sudden gotten kind of choked up. But I'm going to get a little more water here. And continue on. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death to his, till he comes. So, what Paul is saying is this is a memorial service. It, it's a solemn service. And every year we preach the solemnity of, of the, the Passover service. Because we do show the Lord's death till he comes. And so even at that point, we are actually looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Every Passover, we are looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Because we are keeping the Passover service. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. He come. Now, he, he wants us to have the right frame of mind, the right attitude when we go into the Passover service. And so he, he gives some instructions here. It's not to keep you from doing the Passover, and it's not to be... In fact, he, he says he wants us to keep the Passover. And in fact, anyone that is baptized, had hands laid on, as, as, as Curtis was mentioning, should be keeping the Passover. They should. And that's the reason why we are encouraging everyone out there tuning in to, to get things together and to keep the Passover if you can. Now, I would like to, to put this out, and I, I know we've talked about this before, but if, there, if, there's, if there's some that, that just cannot, I can, think of, I can think of a young man and a young woman right now that are in a situation of labor. They may not be able to keep the Passover. Um, so we are thinking about the second Passover, and if there was anyone that would, would needs that, we would be glad to, to put that together, and have, maybe by then we'll be able to come together and have the second Passover. Uh, it'll be next month, and hopefully most of this is going to be over with. We do pray. Anyway, he says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord um, it says unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of, of, of the Lord. And I looked at, I've looked it up. It has two very, very uh, narrow meanings. And in one, it's irreverently or in an unworthy manner. So I think the, the uh, predominant translation is unworthy manner. So when we come to the Passover, when we come to that, we want to have the right kind of heart. He says, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. That's what we do before the Passover. We, we look at ourselves. We reflect on our past year. <laughs> As it said in Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we understand that we also need the Passover. We, we need that fresh renewal that is there. There's so many things that I could talk about today, but I, I'm, I'm not going to cover a lot of the things that, that I've been thinking about, because I do want to read out of the seamless gospel. I don't want to read all of it today. I want to read some of it, because I want our, our minds to be on what Christ had to go through, because he did have to, to suffer a lot uh, for us to have the hope of eternal life. So let's, let's read the rest of this, and let's think about what Paul was asking uh, the brethren there and us uh, because it comes down to us to, today for he that eats and drinks um, unworthily or in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment uh, I've always kind of worried about that word damnation because we have a connotation of uh, you know going to hell but th this word actually is, is judgment to himself not discerning the, the Lord's body so if we're in uh, if we need to pray and ask God for a, a deeper understanding, then that's what we do. We please. And we know that our life is based on the yearly um, keeping of the Passover. 
And the more we keep it, the, the deeper our understanding is of what God wants for us and how he wants us to live. He says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together to condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So his, his admonition is that this is a special service with a few emblems. Uh, the humility service of the, of the foot, for, foot washing, the eating of the bread, uh, the unleavened bread, um, matzos as the Jews would have, have it, uh, it's a, a flat uh, bread with nothing in it but wheat, wheat or, or um, uh, gluten-free things in it, and water. That's it. And it's baked. And then the wine. We believe in the wine. Uh, some, some believe it should be grape juice, but we believe, uh, still believe in the wine. And so uh, those are the things that we... Uh, the emblems that we have. And, and that's the pass, that will be the Passover service. So if you want to join us, we will have that Passover service online, and we will be going through all of these things, reading all the scriptures, looking at all the different things, and, and bringing us um, uh, into the favor of the Father and the Son. Because I think they do look down and when they see us with the right kind of heart and the right kind of attitude and we are keeping their holy uh, the holy things that they have set aside for us I know they that they uh, that grace and favor is there and they they love us for for what we we do okay I am I like this book it's called the Seamus Gospels um, it actually has two Compilers, the Bible is already written. All they have done is like uh, the parallel Bibles and different things. They have uh, compiled, and the man's name is Charles Roller, with Carol Mersch. Uh, and what he has is uh, a seamless gospel. It just goes through seamlessly through all the things. And I'm going to start you know, with with Christ and at Pilate and asking who they want to be released Jesus or Barabbas remember at this point Christ has already been before other magistrates he's already been beat and hit and spit upon and 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 ridicule and 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 hatred on our Savior by the time he comes to Pilate, all of these things have happened to him. Yet, in this, Jesus has a powerful witness even before this powerful Roman leader at that time. So let's, I'm just going to read these verses and read these things through and take for the rest of the time that I have. And I want you to, to think about what Christ went through that we might that we might have eternal life through the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he has ever done unto them. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate answered them, saying, Whom are you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him uh, for envy. When he was seated on the judgment seat, his wife sent him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that he should gather uh, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto him, 
which of the, of the two will you that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain insurrection made in the city, and for murder was cast into prison. Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And Pilate answered and said unto them again, What will you then that I shall do with Jesus, which is called Christ, whom you call the King of the Jews? And they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And they cried it again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out more, saying, Let him be crucified. Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spoke again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then Pilate, the governor, said unto them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were insistent with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed before Pilate Jesus is to die. When Pilate saw that he could not, he could prevail nothing, but, uh, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You, you see to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they require he released unto them him that for insurrection and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But they delivered Jesus to, uh, to their will. And so Pilate, willing to satisfy the people, released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered Jesus to be crucified. And if anybody has ever looked up the word scourge and, the, and what the Romans did, was, was, it was not just an, a little whipping. Um, there is a there's a part in Psalms 22 in which Jesus, hanging on the stake, says, I can see all of my bones. It's because uh, the scourging was uh, glass and nails embedded in a cat of nine tails, in which ripped the flesh and ripped it open. So when he said he scourged Jesus, it, it was a very, um, very horrible Thing that they did to Jesus. And he delivered Jesus to be crucified. We'll talk about that here in a little bit also. Then the soldiers of the governor led Jesus away in the common hall called Praetorium, gathering into him the whole band of soldiers. They stripped him and they clothed him with purple robe. And when they had um, twisted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. They spit upon him. They took the reed and they struck him in the head. Pilate therefore went forth again and said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priest therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said unto them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him and said, We have a law, and by our law we ought to, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and said to Jesus, From where, um, from where are you? Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Do you not speak unto me? Know you not that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me except it were given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you has the greater sin. And from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes him a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, 
sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement. But in the Hebrew, uh, Gabbatha. And it was at the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they said, and they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, and they said, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him and put his own clothes on him and led him to be crucified. The darkest day. It, it's interesting how that, that, that ruling mob became more and more um, influenced to crucify him, crucify him. No matter what Pilate said, they wanted him crucified. And so uh, we find that the day came when he was to be crucified. And they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, coming out of the country, and the father of Alexander and Rufus. Him they uh, compelled to bear his cross. And as they led him away, on, on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. There, there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, says, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts which never nursed babies. Then shall they begin to say in the mountains, Follow on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do those things in the green tree, what shall they do in the dry? An interesting and prophetic things that Jesus said there at the end. And there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put unto death. They brought him bearing his cross into the place called Golgotha. In the Hebrew, this is to say a place of the skull, which is called Calvary, where they crucified him. And the two criminals, one on the right hand, one on the left, and Jesus in the middle. And they gave him a drink of wine, sour wine, mingled with myrrh, gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was the third hour, and they crucified him. And that, by the way, um, I know they had several different ones. We've all uh, several different types of crosses and, and, and things. But um, the indication was it was a styros, a stake, in which the hands were nailed above the head, and the feet were put together and nailed below. With enough of a, um, a little bit of a board for the person to, to ride up and down, in agony, of course, as they, uh, as they died very slowly in this crucifixion death. And so we see that in, uh, they crucified him. It's interesting. The Bible says, in the third hour, and they crucified him. says, oh, well, that's just something. No. That is a horrible thing to be done to a person. And they did it to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts and parted his garments to every soldier a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seams, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Who, um, who it shall be that the scriptures might be fulfilled which says they parted my garments among them and for my clothes they did cast lots these things therefore the soldiers did sitting down they watched him there and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews this title then read uh, many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified, was nearer to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and in Latin. And then said the chief priest of the Jews to the Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, uh, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. 
Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right and on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, And he was numbered with the transgressors. They that passed by hurled insults on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you that destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross if you be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. And the people stood beholding. The rulers also with them scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering sour wine and saying, If you be the king of the Jews, save yourself. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said among themselves, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross that we may see and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will uh, have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him hurled insults on him. And one of the criminals which were hanged hurled insults on him saying, If you be Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering, saying, rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Truly I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, there stood by the cross by, of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his house. It was about the sixth hour, and from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lamna sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, Behold, he calls for Elijah. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things now were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of sour wine, and straightway one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on, his, on, the, on a hyssop reed, and put it in the mouth, and gave him a drink, saying, Let alone, uh, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. The rest said, Let him be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. When Jesus therefore received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And when Jesus had cried, again, with a loud voice, he said, Father, under your hands, I commend my spirit. And having thus said, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. And the sun was darkened, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two in the middle, from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks split, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. And went into the city of the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurions and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly. And when the centurion which stood opposite him saw that, and he cried out and gave up the spirit, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Truly, this man was the Son of God. We know then that um, we had um, Joseph of Arimathea later come and, and take his body. We know also that uh, a spear was used to... Uh, none of his bones were broken. Um, a spear was used to, to pierce him. And, and that was it. And he was taken down from the... Uh, Joseph of Arimathea took him down... Um, off of the stake. And he was buried in Joseph's tomb. And we know that the rest of, the, the, of what happened, that he was in that tomb for three days and three nights, as he had predicted, 
and that he was resurrected. And so as we come to the Passover, we see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We understand the things that he went through and all the horrible things that he went through. But we know today he sits at the right hand of the Father. And so when we come to the Passover service, when we come before God, we do this every year, one time a year. We do this uh, understanding that it is a memorial service of the sacrifice that he made for you and I. Let us bow our heads now as we finish this service. Father in heaven, as, I, as we come before you, we praise you and we praise your son Jesus Christ and we, we understand um, that it took that sacrifice um, for your plan to be worked out for each and every one of us on this earth. It was a horrible death, a horrible thing to happen to our beloved Savior. And I know that as we come to the, the Passover, we, we are always, every year, we are um, renewed in our understanding the sacrifice that he had to make. But we are also renewed in the understanding that it is the redemption of our sins, it is the hope of eternal life, it is all of the wonderful things that are set forth because Christ was willing to sacrifice his physical life that all men might have the hope of eternal life. And so as we approach this Passover, all of us who are, are baptized and have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us as we've read that we are the temple of the living spirit and you dwell in us, as we approach this Passover, let each and every one of us have in our heart that understanding of, of, the, uh, of the sacrifice and, and, and understand the true meaning of each one of those emblems that we take. The, let us be humble as we wash one another's feet. Let us understand the purpose of taking that bread, the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let us understand the renewing of the covenant that we have through the taking of that wine, the blood that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. All of those things we, we come to understand about your Passover. So at this time, Father, we, we ask your blessing. We ask your dismissal. Um, Passover is coming up very, very quickly. Um, help all of us to have the right heart, uh, to, to, to look inside of ourselves, to, um, as, as Paul said, to examine ourselves before we come to that Passover, that we might come in the right heart and the right attitude. We do this now through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless each and every one of us, take care of us, and, and, and thank you again for such a uh, service and for uh, a loving father and a loving son who, who desires us to be in his kingdom. Once again, in Jesus Christ's name, amen.